Hey there, this is Katie Brinkley, and you're listening to Rocky Mountain Marketing. This podcast is all about helping Colorado-based small business owners, entrepreneurs, and professionals discover the strategies and systems that take their marketing to all new heights. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to the podcast. My guest this week is John Striebel. John is the CEO of Apollo Energy. He has been in solar for about seven years and has been working at Apollo Energy for about four years now. Apollo Energy began with just him knocking on doors. Today, Apollo Energy employs over 20 people and they are viewed as a high quality solar electricity provider. They boast all five-star reviews on Google and an A-plus with the BBB. No customer complaints. They are still growing even through this coronavirus madness. They're also extremely fortunate to have not had to lay off anyone or furlough anyone, which is rare for solar and for construction right now. John, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate your time. So, John, let's start at the beginning. Tell us where you grew up and what your life was like growing up. For sure. Uh, So, actually, I appreciate our conversation right before this because we have a lot of similarities my parents weren't in business at all. I'm actually from rural Nebraska. My dad's a psychologist and my mom worked at nonprofits, like recycling nonprofits, that kind of stuff. They were supportive of me and that kind of stuff, but I never really wanted to own my own business or thought that was an important thing to do. I studied psychology in undergrad and played sports and that kind of stuff. So I just really have tried to kind of take advantage of as many opportunities as I could along the way, uh, more for just experience sort of thing. And honestly, I was of the mindset, I worked in nonprofits only. I was of the mindset that actually businesses were kind of just taking money from people and that kind of stuff. And maybe just not the best way that I could spend my time, I guess. And wanted to do like help people actually. So I did a lot of volunteering actually right out of uh, undergraduate. I went and lived abroad in Romania uh, for about six months. Designing behavioral interventions for uh, kids with intellectual disabilities. Uh, actually, kids who were locked up in the Romanian orphanages and stuff, um, working with a nonprofit for them. And some Special Olympics stuff, too. But they had a couple of different social business realms where um, delivering wheelchairs and a couple of different things like that um, that helped to sustain the nonprofit and then also did good for the community. Came back after six months of that, worked in Denver for a while, got married. And then my wife and I went to Tanzania with the same company, it's Mosaic, it's called, um, for a year, designing like social businesses, working on a microcredit loan, doing some behavioral, or uh, sorry, uh, programmatic things for the nonprofit and that kind of stuff, just consultants, I guess. And that's where I started to be able to see, um, studying things like Muhammad Yunus and a lot of those social business kind of things, um, and started to see how business could really be done for good and how it can directly make an impact for a lot of people. Through that, then went to Colorado State, got a master's in social business there, and then just started working. My only actually for-profit job ever is in the solar industry. Started working for a solar startup that subcontracted with Solar City, basically. And then, kind of like you said, did well doing that. And uh, because of a couple different reasons we'll probably get into later, things like sustainability, planning for tough times and that kind of stuff, decided to start my own company. And so far, we've been successful um, on our journey. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about starting your own company and, and how you decided to take that leap and some of the things that you kind of had to learn along the way. For sure. 
it was so even armed with what I thought wasn't a good MBA and uh, some pretty good experience in the industry. It was still really scary. I'm not sure how you felt with it, but I was kind of terrified. And even having started several businesses for other people to actually do that for yourself just is very intimidating. I felt uh, just a lot of worry, concern, that kind of stuff, but it was totally worth the leap. There's a lot of back-end work you really don't think about when starting a business. So planning for that gap time before actually like marketing and doing that kind of stuff to set everything up was important. But realistically, experience, sorry, that was my message thing. Uh, experience mattered much more than the business education once everything's all said and done. And I think I was able or have been able to succeed to this point because of the experience um, and successful marketing and that kind of stuff too. If someone is listening right now who is an aspiring or new business owner, what is the single biggest piece of advice that you'd want to give him or her as their journey starts? Yeah. So first is like, I would say, believe in yourself would be kind of right along with that. Take that leap, believe in yourself, do a lot of the research and back in work, but you can definitely do it. Um, you should do it. That's the intangible one. The tangible one is pay attention to cash flows. There's going to, most banks want to see two to three years of profit before they'll even give you a loan. And I'm in the construction industry, so a lot of it is cash heavy equipment and supplies and projects and stuff. And I've, very good companies, well managed companies have failed just because of cash flow, especially in their first year or two, because something weird like this happens. So that's the tangible advice is be honest about cash flow. We had to, for about a year and a half, two years, uh, just pay everything on credit cards to get an extra 30 days to till everything was due. And so there's just a dance you have to have with that. And I would redo cash flow charts, honestly, sometimes a couple times a day to make sure I was right. That's my tangible advice is cash flows are important. Now, you brought up a good point when I, I was doing your introduction. You brought it up just now with cash flow and employees in the construction industry. And how have you been able to not furlough any of your employees and, and still remain successful during these uncertain times of coronavirus where so many construction industries and companies are having to put everything on pause unless they're an essential business? Talk to sure. us a little bit about how you've been able to keep everyone on and care for your employees. Yeah. So it's part of why we've been successful is just the nature of the solar industry. In my experience, they call it the solar coaster. So there's a lot of boom and bust kind of situations. Back in my first year, actually in my first three months in the industry, we sold a product that really relied on uh, the utility giving a lot of money to a customer. And they ended that program suddenly with no warning or anything. And we had to lay off like 40 people suddenly again at a time where everywhere else in construction was booming we had no product to sell and that was the first of like many instances where the rules have changed just because solar is such a new industry um, so that kind of gave us an advantage going into i would say this situation but i would also say it's a really good lesson learned too is just plan for catastrophe especially when you're starting new when um even like uh, we'll say social media marketing, you know, all, all of a sudden now everybody's using TikTok. So how can you use that to market and take advantage and figure something out right that, you know, there's just everything's always changing. So if you're not willing to be agile, to learn new things, to create a new product, essentially, you're often going to fail as well, just in the startup environment, just in general, too. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure that you brought up TikTok and it is so true. A lot of businesses are 
wondering if they should even invest in it. And right. it's one of those platforms where, you know, it's video, which everyone loves video. And if you, before you know it, if, you, if you're on TikTok, you know, you're watching a 15 second video, which then turns into 15 minutes of 15 second videos. So well, let's talk a little bit more about your business. If you could go back and do anything differently on your journey, you've had done a lot of on, not entrepreneur, uh, nonprofit work. Yeah. And you know, that's amazing. And I'm sure that you wouldn't trade that for anything. But if you, if you could go back and do anything differently to where you are now, what would you uh, change? Yeah, so that's actually a really good question. I honestly, uh, I was kind of thinking through that one. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'll try to mute that. I was thinking through that one. Nothing really like stands out um, for, for me or for that that I would change or anything. Um, there's a lot of things like obviously you play out things should be different or whatever. One thing though that I wanted to touch on that I absolutely would change is kind of in business and as an entrepreneur, there can be, you can experience a lot of self out and that type of stuff, especially when you need cash <laughs> and like your wife supporting you, <laughs> you know what I mean? So you just, you can just experience a lot of that. So that's one thing I wish I would have been more confident in some of my decisions and remove some of that self-doubt because I would help with some of the sleepless nights. But again, without knowing how things are going to turn out, how are you going to do that? But it's still, it's, that's one thing I would have changed. What do you think that some of the biggest mistakes that business owners make when they're trying to grow and sustain a business? Yeah. So we've had, it's investing too much too quickly. We, how we came off our last year, we could easily have like 80 employees running around um, four or five different install teams and that kind of stuff. We just had a killer end of the year, but we wanted to come into this year running lean because um, there's just gaps in sales and that kind of stuff. Had we done what everybody else in the industry did and invested in everybody hired people away from other companies and that kind of stuff it became a pretty competitive hiring environment then we would have been hurt too just like everybody else but we didn't do that we stuck true to our idea of running lean of investing in the right people paying the right people well and um kind of trying to work that way i guess i don't know if that answers your question no it does it does and you know i mean i think that a lot of business owners especially small businesses it's hard because they see things are going well. And so they want to, okay, well, I got to bring more people on. I need, you know, let's grow, let's grow. And before you know it, you've, you've grown too fast and now you have to let, you know, some help. Exactly. And there's, there's just so many ebbs and flows with any industry and any world, especially as you're new into it in your first year or two, investing in, in too many people too quickly, even though Something else I'll say is that you said some advice thing kind of taking a mini step back. Maybe don't start a business if you're not willing to work every position in what that company will create or be an expert in every aspect of that because you might not succeed in those areas that you don't want to do well in, you know, unless you want to pay well and hire that spot, but that's a lot of cash, you know. So being an expert in each little area, uh, doing a lot of due diligence in each aspect of your, um, of your company. Um, I would say that stuff helps out a lot too, especially when you're a newer company, when you're starting, because things in every, every position, every detail change so much so rapidly in everything in any industry. Just being prepared for that, being able to anticipate some of those changes um, and keeping yourself knowledgeable, it's almost your best defense as a small business owner. What does your model look like for finding and engaging and selling to your ideal clients and customers these days? 
Yeah, so we pretty much mostly go, uh, well, now we have a bit of a good online reputation. Um, we're like on the first page on Google when you look up solar companies, Denver, and some of those kind of like little wins for small companies. But we, a lot of what we do is just face-to-face conversations. I want to dive into that a little bit about that yeah. small win of being, it's so important to be that very first organic search or your industry. And it's so hard to get that. What are you guys doing on your website to help get that, that number one spot? Yeah, yeah. That's a really good question. So we have just lots and lots of fine tuning, honestly, making sure our keywords are right, making sure that the explanation of that basically like an explanation of what makes us different than the competitor shows up in the right searches and doesn't necessarily sell the product, but sparks some interest in people meeting with us. Electricity is boring. Solar is kind of confusing. So these are really just best conversations face-to-face or, or virtually like this, actually. We call it a screen share and it works just as well. But it, it needs to be a personal conversation. And so just kind of trying to guide everything towards that. It really helped, to be honest with you, streamline our marketing efforts um, and became a, it became a branch of, of what we do. I know you guys are active on Facebook and, and, and posting a lot of different articles and on the solar industry and you know, projects that you've completed. Can you talk to us a little bit about the importance of doing that for a company? Yeah, it's, I mean, that was essentially those are like the first baby steps to building an online platform is good website and then start an online blog, start conversations like this, things like this expanding your reach and your searchability, um, getting as connected as you can with enough tags and things everywhere. Even if you're doing it yourself, honestly, because you just have to start somewhere. So as weird and elementary and whatever as it, as it sounds, you got to tag yourself and share your own stuff. And it's just, that's what you got to do. You got to start. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that especially, you know, for businesses that are just getting started on platforms like LinkedIn, And with their business pages, one of the struggles that many businesses might run into is like, oh, well, no one's following my business page on LinkedIn. And it's all reliant on on the employees that work there to let other people know about the content. I mean, hashtags and and the content are going to go so far, but to really get the, you know, momentum going, the employees need to engage with the content to increase the algorithm. Totally. Yeah, totally. And it's especially initially and then and then eventually over time, you know, we've we established a strong customer base. We do get a good amount of referrals um, anymore. That's a lot of how we've been uh, doing sales and staying open uh, over this downtime. And again, extending that to an online reputation where your customers can engage online and um, you get reviews and that kind of stuff on various websites or whatever. So and that's just like almost the second step of branching out your footprint, I guess. So let's talk about Colorado here for a little bit, because you've gotten to live in some really interesting places throughout, yeah. the, throughout the world. What do you like best about living and working in Colorado? What's the appeal to having your business and life here? Yeah, so Colorado is actually awesome. I think we all know it's, it's a lot of why a lot of us are here. Um, I did grow up in Nebraska, but the part of Nebraska I grew up in, it's the Panhandle. So it's actually closer to Denver than anywhere reputable in Nebraska. And my parents lived here in the 70s, so we always like would come back. I, I actually spent uh, I spent some years in the elementary school in Pueblo, uh, a little bit too. So okay, but it's I mean the weather is just awesome. It's so humid in Nebraska. It's windy all the time. It's just you can be outside. Everybody's cool. Wants to hang out. Um, great culture. Great vibes. Something that helps us is 
this, I don't want to say small town mentality, but you know, if you try knocking on doors in Los Angeles, people will freak out, which I have, I have gone door to door in LA. It's not good, but here people will have a conversation with you. You know, if some people are friendly, they say hi. And I, I really like that aspect too. One passion that so many business owners and entrepreneurs have is to build a business around their lifestyle. How has that played out in your story and approach to running your business? Yeah, so I think I actually really like that question because I was thinking about it and this 100% is my lifestyle. Like I really like just walking around talking to people about solar. Um, I really like installing it, every aspect of it I really enjoy. It, I do feel like we're helping people. I believe that it's, it is energy independence. I believe your utility bill is debt but it's just that you can't control and it's i mean honestly it just really represents a lot of what i've been searching for to do as a career too as well as does that weird thing where it meets a market need you know the environmental offset with solar even when you include end of life and that kind of stuff and manufacturing is just unbelievable colorado is still a pretty coal heavy state and as we've seen with just three weeks of people not driving all the mountains look a little clearer so there's there's all those things that are important and that you can do pretty easily for your offset. And so I feel like it's, it is an aspect of me making a difference in the world. And I'm crazy. I believe utilities are monopolies. So it's, there's that aspect. <laughs> <laughs> what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? And how has that impacted your business? Well, so there's a couple different pieces of advice that I thought were pretty valuable. The first is you don't always get paid in money. Sometimes you get paid with experience. And honestly, our first year, we were essentially doing jobs just at cost to get a reputation and to get some sort of business. We expected that and got lucky with some of the timing on that. But it's, and also throughout my career, a lot of that stuff has been volunteering, you know. So it's a lot of experience you can gain. Just branch out, do things you're afraid of, maybe even because you'll be surprised what you can learn and, and where skills are um, transferable and different things. I also think that. Like you said, to start a business and be successful, it just has to become you or whatever. And I also think um, there is an element of just it is not only is it your hobby, but it's just what you do. I always wear an Apollo t-shirt because I'm always advertising Apollo. People in the store ask me what Apollo is on my sweatshirt and everything. I look like a cartoon character because I'm just wearing the same thing every day. Um, it makes it easy to pick out your outfit every day, that's for sure. <laughs> exactly. That, that is true. There's an element of that that's true, too. But I also think I'm always looking for an opportunity. I'm always looking for a customer. And sometimes luck is when hard work meets opportunity. There is some luck that's just dumb luck. But that's been some of my best advice too, is, is luck is when hard work meets opportunity. Now, before we finish up, is there anything that I didn't ask you about during today's discussion that you think is important to share? One thing I would like to share on the end, um, and it's just, it's, it's less the value of necessarily a face-to-face conversation, but more the value of understanding customers is understand exactly who your customer is and actually talk to that person. One of the businesses that I started that I'm no longer with, that's how we learned the business wasn't going to work, was actually just directly talking to our customers about, hey, how do you use this? How do you prescribe medications? That kind of stuff. And that's why I think Apollo is successful is because every day we have several people, I mean, not now, but usually every day we have several people talking to people um, about what they think about energy, what they think about electricity, how can solar help fill their needs and how can we help with that? Those are our conversations every day and that's really how we approach it. Um, and I think also not being afraid to ask because people slam doors in people's faces, people hang up on you all the time. You, everybody has to cold call business and cold call everybody. 
if you can get past that and know that you have something that's going to change someone's life that is going to make them better and is going to improve their business or themselves or their situation, know that in your heart of hearts and believe it and you'll get through it. You can make it happen. I love that. And you know, you're also fortunate too, because you are going out and talking to your potential clients and customers and people that will never be a customer, but you're asking them questions and every answer or follow-up question that they have is a potential blog post that you can write for your website and then repurpose, you know, in an email or repurpose for social media. And by having these conversations and opening the door for dialogue, you're just going to be able to better serve new customers. And again, help your own websites with their SEO. Yeah, no, totally. And with that also, every a lot of times when we leave doors, people Google us, they search us. And so having a pretty solid and very well-reputable online presentation, even though a lot of what we're doing is conversations. We get phone calls from people days after because we handed them a flyer or whatever that looks good. We have good website and good reviews, positive reviews. So all that stuff does work together years on. All that hard work does pay off. It makes kind of a little arrow to a little point you're trying to make with your marketing. Absolutely. Well, John, this has been such a great conversation. Where can we find out more about you and your business online? Thank you. Uh, yes, so we are Apollo Energy. Uh, we tried to be cute with the marketing. So the website's harnessoursun.com. Sorry for the dings. Uh, that's www.harnessoursun.com. And you can look us up, Apollo Energy Denver, or Colorado, or something like that. We're also at all sorts of home shows, trade shows, all kinds of stuff. So, And we just talk about energy, no high-pressure sales. We'll just talk to you. Great. Well, thank you again so much for coming on the show today. Thank you again for having me. Thank you for everything you're doing for small businesses. And if you're ready to take your social media to the next level for your small business, head over to my website and check out my free video training, The Three Biggest Mistakes Small Businesses Make with Social Media and How to Avoid Them. Discover how to make your social media marketing stand out from the crowd online. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing. As always, I'd love to hear from you. You can visit my website at www.nextstepsocialcommunications.com or connect with me on LinkedIn. Just look for Katie Brinkley. Let's keep taking your marketing to new heights.